We turn now to the Gospel according to Luke in chapter 2. I'm going to turn to this twice on this Lord's Day, which we reflect upon the things of the incarnate Savior and the great mercy of God manifest that wonderful day. God had ordained. I'm going to read the first 20 verses. I'm reading from the King James Version. I do every Christmas. I have a hankering for that version of the Christmas story. You follow along in your Bibles. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 20. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. The angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which is come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Thus far we read the word of God, the word of the incarnation of our Savior Jesus Christ, and the following celebration. Two sermons this day we would reflect upon the great wonder of Christmas. 
And as I've been telling my family this past week, having come across this way of looking at things, we live in a world and there's many wonders, but in the same world there's very little wonder. So we need to turn again to the wonderful story of Christmas and Jesus' birth in this world and, and wonder. And we do this because it's important not only, but it's true. And what I'm referring to by those words important and true brings us to a consideration that a certain skeptic would have had all of the churches consider long ago in the 19th century, actually, when he said this skeptic, one who's doubtful of everything and especially of the truth of God, this the skeptics said that on the door of every church should be etched in the stone, important if true. Such for the skeptic. Well, beloved, Christ is born this day. The Word of God tells us this. It's important, and it's true. And this is what we would herald today from this pulpit, and then in all the world that we live in, our little neck of the woods, our world, God's world. It's important is Christmas, the gift of God's Son, and it's true. We want to consider, in fact, so that we celebrate and that we fulfill our calling to tell the world and witness of these things as the shepherd did. We want to consider the reality of Christmas and that from the point of view of those first words of chapter 2 of Luke and the first words of verse 1, and it came to pass. That's what we're going to consider in the Greek It's just one word, ginomai, it became. It's a general word to describe an event that comes to pass or something important or not so important, something ordinary. We want to consider that it came to pass and the reality of that, in that it was the reality of another realm that was brought right in front of the people's faces who beheld the face of God in Jesus Christ the reality of another realm. Angels from the realms of glory would sound forth that reality, the gospel of God with us. Then we want to consider the revelation of that reality. And finally, that we are to regale in that revelation, that is to celebrate, to feast over the truth of God who has come to be with us. It came to pass, very ordinary thing, as certain as death and the birth of babies, taxes. Came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus, the Roman Empire, lots of power, that all the world, his world, around the Mediterranean Sea and and thereabouts, all that world of his should be taxed takes money to run the government, especially when the government is very hands-on. And came to pass in those days when Caesar had done much to improve the culture, to advance the arts, 
and to promote the road system, the transportation system, the aqueduct system, and also to uh, advance the, the fact that there's this Greek language that all should be speaking as well as Italian, I suppose, and the Roman language, but this Koine Greek. And so there was this togetherness about the people, and not the least of which was this philosophy of tolerance among the religions of the conquered nations of the Roman Empire. That is, as long as people did obeisance to Caesar and said he was the man and even the God and the Savior, they called him Savior, as long as they did that, they could worship their own gods, even a plurality of them, but they would be tolerated only as they did obeisance to Caesar, the one of the ones, the king of the kings, the Lord of lords. So Caesar was taxing the world, again, very ordinary. And as it was the case, the Jews would be taxed according as they went to their hometown and they measured their lineage, they they knew their lineage of where they were, come, they were come from, and Joseph and Mary were the house of David. They went to Bethlehem, for that's where David was born. They'd be registered there to be taxed. No, know all the details about this, but this was a very ordinary thing in a very uh, powerful and, and large kingdom. And so these things were going on, and, and Joseph went there and Mary, don't know why he took Mary the some 90 miles from Nazareth in the north to, to Bethlehem, because she was great with child, and they weren't uh, married yet. They were betrothed to be married. We know the story that the Holy Spirit had come upon her and overshadowed her, shadowed her and the holy child within her was Jesus. But there they are, this young couple, and they're going there, and there's no room for them in the end. And that could be understandable according to ordinary, uh, the ordinary uh, <clears throat> thing of the day. Inns were crowded, and maybe there was a lot of people crowding into Bethlehem at that time. And so the Holiday Inn, or whatever it was, certainly not a Holiday Inn, or Hilton, was bursting to the seams. There's no room there. They have to find a place in stable. And then Mary is delivered of the child, they lay him in a manger, and so the story goes, the history of Luke chapter 2. Again, there's lots of people who believe in this history because there's record of it here. There's record of it in a great amount in the New Testament of this birth of this child, Jesus. Even unbelievers believe in the birth of a Jesus, or some do, they don't believe all the miracles that he did, and they don't believe who he claims to have been and whom the prophets told that he was, but they believe the history. After all, this is a, this is a piece of literature, they say, the Bible, and there's many, many old manuscripts that record these things, and far more than record the Iliad and the Odyssey and the great mythologies of the day. So they have a record here, and it's rather scientific to be historical and say, yes, we'll, we'll grant that there's a kind of beginning here of what came to be the Christian religion in this babe and in the example he led and all of these good deeds that he did and so on. 
especially as it celebrated this message of Christmas. And this is why the hoopla of Christmas and the human spirit seems to be so elevated at this time. The message of the angel, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So there's all kinds of of Christmassy stuff going on, all kinds of very human stuff going on in our celebration of what seems to many to be a very human thing, the celebration of of mankind and at its pinnacle in this cuddly babe. And there's all kinds of stories of people who have... Uh, who would have Jesus in the, in the manger, and they out with their crutches, and Jesus is still in the manger, and that's where people want him, because he's so innocent there, and he's so like us, and he's so approachable, and he's certainly not the man uh, of the theology that he would later preach, and of the theology of Paul. No, this, this Jesus, let's keep him in the manger. Well, beloved, the story here is a a wonderful thing that we believe. And how can we celebrate, really, enough this wonderful truth, which is, first of all, not a human thing. This is a divine thing. And we're met right in the... came to pass words of Luke 2 and verse 1 of the truth of God. We could translate, God brought to pass in those days this decree from Caesar Augustus because, well, that would be an interpretation, not a translation, but we could interpret in light of the rest of the Bible that which really is the story behind the story. And that's God, and that's his decree. And this we have to understand here. What's being revealed is another realm. The Bible always does that. This this light from heaven is the Bible. It's this revelation that's uh, an apocalypse. That is what revelation, the word in the Greek is. It's an apocalypse. An opening of the eyes and an unveiling of something hid heretofore in an ordinary thing. Realms and the king of glory being revealed. And that's God. That's God, yes, with us in Jesus, but first look at God above us. That's what we're led by the Bible, by the angels from the realms of glory, And by the Spirit of Christ, right now, we're being led to God. What a beautiful thing. So we come to church, and we're led, and we're we're called to worship, and we're led of God. And then to visit his word, whereby he has something to say to us. Christmas is a God thing, if that could be said reverently, certainly to get the message across in the vernacular. This is a God thing going on here. For God, after all, is the God of Caesar. He's over him. And Caesar has a decree. He has a commandment. He has 
a calling of all of his emissaries to enforce his taxing, his status quo, his, his glory, his worship. But God over Caesar. This is true theology, the truth of God over everything and even over a wicked Caesar and over the culture that's being prepared for the spread of the gospel, whether it's the, Romes or the, uh, the, the, the roads or the language, there's God in the mix. No, not really. He's above the fray, guiding everything. This is what makes Christmas so important, important and true. This is our confession. God is the God of what's called a council. He's the great God who does whatsoever he has pleased. And in the New Testament, we read in Ephesians, he's the God who works all things according to his decree. That is, he has a will. The God who is thrice personal, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is this triune God who is a, has a will. And his will is living and eternal and unchangeable and sovereign. He's the king. And with regard to everything, he has had a plan with regard to everything. And even kings must serve the plan. And kings' hearts, the proverb says in Proverbs 21, verse 1, are they're in the hand of the Lord. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. And the Lord God, he turns the king's hearts and now Caesar's, whithersoever he will, and cause to come to pass his decree in the decreeing king of the day. And so this is God working here. This is God working it out in those days, which are God's days. This is what Christmas is all about. God the King, so ruling, so happily for us in charge. Remember that as you consider the gift of Christmas. God is saying, I'm in charge. I affirm myself here. I will send angels who will remind everybody glory is to God proper. He is the highest. He dwells in another realm. And you see, this is what people don't get. There's another realm by, besides what you see and what you have to pay to the government. There's another kingdom in this world, but not of it, and above. It's the realm of the spirit. It's the realm that is the eternal having to do with time and the infinite one having to do with our finitude, our, our limitations. It's the holy God's realm. The God who would deal with sinners to judge the unrepentant, condemn them justly, but to save others who are just as equally condemnable, but on whom he has mercy. God is ruling here. God is God here. And this other realm that Caesar could not see and uh, Quirinius could not see 
And Herod could not see, and the Jews of the day, they couldn't see this realm, this reality. This is how it is today, you know. Reality of things unseen, beyond the Christmas story to his story, God's story. That's not known here. We should pity this world. And they take and they pick and choose certain things of this message, even though they'll read it, the most liberal even of churches, and They'll say, yeah, that's for us, but they'll really be missing what's going on here. God is simply declaring and wonderfully declaring, I am God. How different the way people see it. Man is man, they say. And we give gifts, and here's a good time to reassess how we're getting along with people and peace on earth and goodwill towards men that we can have and armistices and so on and let's just lay aside all of our differences maybe culturally, socially and, and with regard to sex and with regard to marriage and with regard to everything else and let's just get it done, clean up the world, preserve the world and sing our songs to man. Of course, what's being revealed here is this God who's over us and guiding Joseph and Mary, guiding Caesar, then little Joseph and Mary. What's really centered here is God with us, not just God over us, God with us. Remember in our Advent series, it was all about Emmanuel, according to the prophecy of Isaiah. Emmanuel's book within the book of Isaiah, chapters 6 through 10 or something, or 12. And in that book was prophesied, what is occurring here? God with us. Emmanuel is conceived and now delivered and now celebrated. God with us. This points us to, of course, the divinity and humanity of Jesus Christ together. And here's one of those, there's impossibilities of the Christian religion. How can it be, if God is God, that God is a little baby? How can it be, if God is king of Caesar, that now there's this baby who has the same divinity as God the Father? Always called the son. And there he is, the helpless babe. How can that be? The God who's everywhere present is now limited in his space that he occupies. The God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills must now hang on Mary's breast. The God who is wisdom, the mighty God, the great counselor, must learn things, even learn obedience. Remind you that this Jesus, this God with us, is <clears throat> revealed here as well as in the other scriptures of being so God, so equal with God, he has this eternal existence. When the Bible says, Ginomai, it became... It came to pass, and it says it three or four times here in this narrative, as things moving along, 
moving along with regard to Jesus, his being born, and so on. When it says that, it's not for a minute saying that there is this absolute beginning of Jesus before which he was not. Of course, he was in the womb for nine months, but some people surmise it couldn't be that he was before even that, but the Bible teaches he was because he's the I am. He doesn't have a beginning, except now he's taking on this different form, this humanity taking on to himself, as our creed says, something that was not his before. Now he is altogether human and divine at the same time. He is this God, in fact, who had this pre-existence and was with the Father counseling how he would be born and why he would be born in all eternity and counseling how he would be born and, and why with regard to his one mission on the earth. The Jesus who's God and now who's man was with God counseling with regard to something like this that Hebrews tells us in chapter 10. Since it was not possible the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins, wherefore, Hebrews 10 verse 5, when he cometh into the world, he says, sacrifice and offering thou wouldst not desire, but thou wouldst not, but a Body hast thou prepared for me, and burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, and this is before he's born. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do thy will, O God. Then said he, lo, verse 9, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. Beloved, you see what's being revealed here, and this is behind the story of what came to pass. What is revealed here is that this, this great God with us now comes to be with us, not just to come alongside of us and say, how you doing? but to do something called save a people. The blood of bulls and goats could not, but he's prepared this perfect body in which he would obey the law perfectly in his life and then submit to the judgment of God that the law requires death to the sinner in our place on Calvary so we might be reconciled to God. That's what Christmas is all about. God over us, God with us, God with the Son planting, planning and counseling this body, this demise of the Son who's born. The cuddly babe, you see, must grow up, must have his earthly ministry and then his earthly death. He's born to die. No wonder Isaiah says, who hath believed our report, and then goes on in chapter 53 of his prophecy to say that there's someone who's coming who has no visage and no form that we should desire him. 
And we esteem his, him as stricken of God when he dies on the cross. How can you believe that? For if anyone is pure, it's the Son born of the pure and Holy Spirit of God who comes from heaven and the realms of glory, who shared glory with the Father, he says in John 17, before the foundation of the world. How can it be? But it is because the revelation of God over us and God with us To save us in Jesus is the revelation of love. The wonders of his love. That's why he goes to such a depth. That's why. That's why there's this gift, this one, not under the tree, but hanging from a tree, the cross bearing our sins and bearing every one of them away. He loves you, and he loves me. Now that's all revealed. The realm of glory comes down. And this is my second point here. It's revealed in amazing ways. Well, first of all, in the Bible, the Bible tells us from cover to cover of Christmas. Think of Genesis chapter 3, the very first promise, the Mutterbelofta, as the Dutch say, the mother of all promises. I will put enmity between you, and God's talking to the snake in the garden, the devil. I'm going to put enmity between you, devil, and between your seed and, 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 and the woman, and between your seed and my seed. He's drawing a line according to his electing decree. Devil, you may have some, but you're not going to have them all. I have my own. There's going to be a seed whose heel you're going to bite, but it's going to crush your head. That's Jesus, the snake head crusher born this day. Doesn't seem like a very appealing Crutch sort of picture there, a snakehead crusher. This little boy doesn't like to play with snakes. He kills them, this one. He's a warrior. There's a beachhead established in time, and we are the enemy-occupied people and territory, this whole world and enmity. And Jesus Christ comes and... It's all in the word of God. So he's the son of Abraham. He's the son of David. That's why they're going now to Bethlehem. And he's the one, the seed of David, who will have this kingdom that will be forever and forever, of which 2 Samuel speaks in Psalm 89 and all the Bible, the promises to David. Jesus Christ is the one who comes from Bethlehem, whose goings forth have been from of old, even from everlasting to everlasting, Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. Jesus Christ is the one conceived and born of a virgin, Isaiah chapter 7. His name is Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And Caesar, you know, you must know this, the government is upon his shoulders 
the shoulders of the babe. This is revealed in the scriptures. Then there's angels who come, those messengers from the realms of glory. And that one, first of all, who says, fear not to the shepherds. We'll talk about that tonight, God willing. And then that multitude of the heavenly host, the hallelujah chorus of heaven. They came. They were all about the place, weren't they? Announcing this birth to Joseph and speaking to Mary and they were heralding this thing. Well, they couldn't hold it in, as it were. They are messengers of God, holy beings. of something holy and, and so astounding to say. And they confirm the truth of the word of God. These are miracle appearances of these angels from heaven showing something of the glow of the glory of God with whom they've been and whom they serve. And now this message, this message underneath the story and the things that ordinarily come to pass, they have something to say of the extraordinary and the ordinary, and to us as well. And finally, there's this revelation of God through preachers. Preachers. Preachers are called angels, you know. There's an angel of the church of this and that in Revelation, the seven churches of Asia Minor, simply because we have a message and we have an office and there's an ordination and there's a power and there's something from the realms of glory that we get to hear every Sunday. Realms of glory brought to you in the words of a man who composes a sermon and who scratches his head and who wonders how he's going to say it and how he's going to say it in a meaningful way and an accurate way in a powerful way and he's just like you and he's a vile wretch just like you are and yet there's something of glory that comes through the earthen vessel. And so we... Take it to heart. That's what we're here for. We take it to heart. And on the stone or whatever, outside the doors of this church is written, could be written, important and true. Wouldn't that be good to remember that? as we come into church, important and true. And talk about an understatement. Important? Is that all? Really important. True? Very true. However you want to add to the words, important and true, they go together. And beloved, we're going to talk about that more tonight. We talk about that hallelujah chorus of which you and I are members. And we're there because we know something of the grace of Christmas. And we ought to. In the midst of all of the ones who are denying and who are trying to divert our attention to, to earthly trees and tinsel and Santa Claus and reindeer, 
and very sentimental, appealing human interest movies with regard to the season. And the Grinch turns into a nice guy and all that stuff. Be focused, beloved. And remember that Jesus, when he comes, and angels, when they come singing, and ministers, when they come preaching, and dads and moms, when they want to teach your children the real meaning of Christmas. Christmas is about our being turned to God and it coming to pass in the fullness of time and in our own heart as well that God makes a home in us. Christmas in our heart. You know that? You know that great presence of Jesus to you? Do I? Really? Be not distracted, beloved. There's all kinds of competitors for your allegiance, your attention, and your joys. Let's turn away from these earthly things. Have done with them, men and women of God, I plead with you, because it came to pass long ago. And was, was the, the affirmation of God here in this manger in this feeding trough for the cattle. God with us, who is God above us, who is God for us, now and forever. Think of that. Believe that. And rejoice. Amen. Lord God, we thank you for the word. We pray that you would turn us, turn us increasingly to it. Speak to us, Lord. We need that there be a song restored in our hearts, the song of Christmas, which is full of joy and reflects that we belong to that Savior. We are those who are bought by his blood that he would shed. Help us to be his wise men, who later, according to the story of the New Testament, came and worshipped and offered their offerings. May we be as shepherds who sang, who went to Bethlehem and could not help but have a different sort of life after that, having been taken into the choir, joining the hallelujahs of the other realm. Lord, in this world, in these realms, in these kingdoms, in these nations, in this culture, may we be those by your grace, Lord. Oh, we plead for grace of the other realm, the heavenly kingdom. Hear our prayers and guide us in this holy day, every day. Amen.